Hey folks, just a quick announcement here before we get into today's episode. We have scheduled the third installment of the Lords vs. Resources Showdown for this coming Friday, April 23rd at 9pm Eastern, 6pm Pacific. So if you've never tuned in for one of those, all six participants will be live streaming their perspective on Twitch. So for Team Lords, twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware or Mr. Metronome or cord underscore O underscore calls. And for Team Resources, twitch.tv slash Marshall underscore LR or LSV or A Beckstrom. Uh, It's going to be super, super fun. Hope to see you there and fingers crossed for a win for Team Lords. All right, everyone. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs. And another day of class is in session here at Strixhaven. Ethan, I have been jamming drafts nonstop since the set came out on Arena with every spare second I have. How about you? Yes, with the uh, that caveat of spare second, I've not had a lot of free time since the set came out. But as I tweeted out, I was so happy. So I, uh, for folks who are not on Magic Twitter, I filmed an episode of a TV show a few days ago. I'm not, I can't really talk much more about it. But uh, I was so bummed because it was on Thursday when the set dropped. But then I was like, oh wait, Arena Mobile <laughs> exists, and so I did my first draft of a format and got my first trophy all on my itty bitty phone ben that was such a a delight i got to pump the brakes on my fomo for strixhaven for that day that is awesome it's gonna mess up your 17 lands data though i know yeah that's the one thing so i'm gonna try not to do so much drafting uh on there so i can keep my 17 lands data on my on my pc so i have that to to reference and also for the folks who via the patreon get access to our draft logs and deck picks but it was nice to still get to dive into the format. So we got a lot to talk about here, Ben. We do have a lot to talk about here. Strixhaven is sweet. Yeah. So I think you and I have both really enjoyed it. And, you know, I, I think that that sort of looming question of what's the longevity of a five color pair versus a 10 color pair set that is yet to be determined. But so far, I'm feeling like it doesn't feel like we're counting anything out. Like all five of the colleges seem good. And I've had a chance to draft all five of them. I don't know if you have yet. Um, We've certainly played against all five of them. And I think we have a really good sense of what they're trying to do and where the shifts are from our our guesses last week at what the format was going to be like. And I think we, we got a lot of stuff right. I didn't feel like I had any big adjustments to make. Yeah, I feel very good about where I'm at understanding the format right now. I'm about eight-ish drafts deep, and I've got three trophies in there, made Mythic, cruised from through Diamond to Mythic. I wasn't even really paying attention to my rank. It was a very healthy best-of-one climb this time. Wow, I'm so happy for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of in that, I'm like Diamond 3, seven drafts, four trophies, so I'm hoping that my climb to mythic as well this this month is is a smooth one through diamond yeah all right so we're gonna dive into all of our thoughts about big picture stuff cards that have shifted for us we're gonna just look at all five colleges again and hopefully get to a draft log at the end if we have time but before we do that oh boy ben we got a lot of housekeeping to take care of first things first the patreon page i'm not going to talk too much about the patreon because i think the amount of folks that signed up this week is just going to speak volumes to what we got going on in the discord and that's what everybody who gives back to the show via the patreon gets access to and the discord is just gas it is the best resource on the internet for 24 7 limited tech support there's a lot of other stuff going on with the patreon as well all the way up to getting monthly coaching sessions from me and ben um, and we want to make sure that we welcome each and every one of our patrons this week and i'm gonna have to bring in ben here to welcome in oliver nicholas jim sharpborg joseph adam charles endo jackson gerard jay rollins 
Seth, Joseph, Thomas, Lucas, David, Felix, Randy, Taylor, Stephen, Richard, Freddy, Raj, Jared, Steve the Cleric, <laughs> Nathan, Jacob, Christopher, Daniel, Zach, Jake, Alex, Matthias, Victor, Sylvia, Scott, Joseph, Martin, Alan, Craig, Michael, Vincent, Ken, Simon, Gavin, and William, Holy Patrons, Batman. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. We, I mean, we say it every week. We mean it every week. We really appreciate your support. Yep, cannot say thank you enough. In addition to that huge mess of folks signing up for the Patreon, the show is also brought to you in part by Channel Fireball, channelfireball.com. Best place to go for anything and everything you need magic related. Ethan, we got to talk about the Strixhaven party. I know you haven't had a chance to do your shift yet, but I have done my shift and it was a blast. Yeah, this was your maiden voyage on Spell Table, right? This was. The spell table was a little stressful for me <laughs> the first time. I felt very sorry for my first opponent. I had like some glare on my cards and I couldn't get rid of it. And my webcam dangling from a music stand over my desk here. It was a very precarious setup. But once I got over the spell table hump, it was a lot of fun. Uh, jam some games against Riley, jam some games against DC Sports and several other folks. I played, I don't know, probably six or seven games. Best of one was really sweet. It was honestly nice to play best of one sealed at a pre-release. And I never thought I ever would have said that in my life. And maybe I maybe I just am turning into best of one Ben. But I very much enjoyed like going, you know, person, person, person and just meeting new people quicker. Oh, that's interesting. So I haven't done my shift yet. Is it all best of one or did you choose to do best of one over best of three? Are both options available? Both options are available and it's sweet in best of one. There are also these challenges. So even if you lose, you can earn points for your team. So like I got stomped the first round because I was really flustered about <laughs> spell table and wasn't paying much attention to the match. But like I earned a challenge of like casting a card six CMC or greater and like doing this other thing. So there are like things that you can earn points for uh, for your team, just even not even winning. And then I also made the Dean's list, Ethan. Whoa, you're a big loser. What does that mean? So there's like special achievements that you can do that are worth like buku points. And so I crossed off two of them. And you have to be the first person on the day to do it. Kind of like the old achievements we used to do. Oh, nice. And so I had two Elder Dragons on the battlefield at the same time. What? That was one Must of them. be nice. Yeah. And I had a card of every color on the battlefield and a basic of every type on the battlefield. Whoa. Oh, yeah. I saw your deck. It is like so spicy, but a real uh, it's got pile vibes to me. Oh, yeah. Huge pile. But the mana actually was pretty good. It was it was decent. I opened three Elder Dragons and I figured, you know, got to jam them all in my deck. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So for folks who haven't done this one, I, it seems like Watsi and CFB are going to be maybe pumping these out. They seem pretty popular. And this is now the third one that I've participated in or though after we record, I'll be doing my shift. But this will be the third one that I participate in. And they're really fun. They've got all these other little things like Ben's talking about the achievements. There's like pack one, pick ones. There's magic trivia. There's all these fun things. There's like the the world boss battle which is like Ooh, an yeah, arch enemy style thing those are all really really cool and i mean we were just talking about this beforehand but even though like there's nothing on the line i think you and i are just competitive people and so we're like well i want witherbloom to win and get points and you're like well i want Prismari mari to win and you're like still checking up on the points even after you're done with your shift which i think is funny 
Yeah, I was very competitive about it. I was going after the points pretty hard. And then I was thinking, well, I should have built my deck differently to try to cross off more of these Dean's List challenges. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. That's <laughs> going too deep. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, CFP is doing a lot of sweet stuff. And if you want to support us over there, whenever you go to channelfireball.com and purchase anything, whether it's a CFP Pro subscription or product, make sure you use code LOL when you check out to let them know that we sent you over there. And we would really, really, really appreciate it. One more Channel Fireball thing that I don't think folks quite know is super free and super sweet is the newsletter. So it's CFB Extra. But I think if you Google Channel Fireball newsletter, you'll be able to sign up for it. All you need is your email address. And then you just get this sweet little piece of content in your inbox every day. Like I just got, you know, Ben and I trade off Saturdays doing our limited lounge series. Uh, so I got Ben's thing yesterday, which was his top five comments for Strixhaven. And that was awesome. I was like, oh, I, like, I didn't even know he wrote this thing. And now I get to see like where he's at in the world of Strixhaven with these top five comments. So it's just a really great piece of content that's free. And I would highly recommend signing up for it. Boom. All right. We've rambled enough about non-Strixhaven things, Ben. Let's, let's dive in. Big picture discussions slash approaches to the format. Where do we want to start? I think number of lands is a fairly good indicator. And I think we are on 18 lands. Like 17 to 18 lands. I have not run 16 yet. Maybe you're going to do it in a silver quill. That's the one college that I haven't played yet. Um, But I have found no shortage of things to do with my mana. And I think one of the defining characteristics of the format sort of feels like between lessons and learn, you just never run out of things to do. Like most of my wins have just been my opponents running out of steam at some point and me still having like five spells to cast. Yeah, I agree. So I want to say two things to that. So the first is I have run 16 lands in the one silver quill deck that I drafted, which was like mono one drops. I posted that to Twitter. um, And that was like an easy seven win deck. But I did run 16 lands there just because I was like, and and I had a bunch of learn lesson as well. Like I think I had eight cards with learn in the main deck, nine cards with learn in the main deck. So I was still grabbing a bunch of inkling summonings, but I had a pretty low curve. So I ran 16. But I also had this Quandrix deck that I drafted that didn't have anything higher than four CMC. And Twitch chat was like, this looks bad. What are we ramping to? Why are you doing it? And I was like, do you see how many like learn lesson things I have? Like I have access tunnel, I have scry lands, we have plenty to do with our mana. And again, easy seven win deck. Like there's just tons to do with your mana in this format. It's wild. Yeah, it sort of feels Dominaria-esque to me in that you really don't want to miss land drops. Like, no. Drawing cards and hitting land drops feels key. Yeah, I agree. Well, we've sort of spoiled it a little bit, but let's check in on Learn Lesson. That feels like one of the big questions we had last week, and I think you and I were pretty hot on this as a mechanic. And I will say it's played out how I thought it would, except I feel like you have to prioritize, and maybe this will shift over the coming weeks, but I feel like you have to prioritize the cards that say learn, or at least the good learn cards much higher. I thought I would be taking lessons higher, but lessons are going very late right now. Lessons are going criminally late right now. And I think when people figure that out, it will stop happening. But yeah, I'm still feeling like, you know, the, those good learn cards like guiding voice. And can we talk about Rise of Exodus. Are you as high on this card as I am right now? Yeah, card's great. So this is the four and then it's Silver Quill, Silver Quill hybrid for a sorcery, uh, exile target creature, exile uh, an instant or sorcery from a graveyard. So if you're in Lorehold, you can trigger your graveyard leaving stuff with this, which is also wild. And then it says learn. And like we joke about Doomblade draw a card, but this is actually Doomblade draw a card. I mean, it's six mana, but really insanely powerful. It's six mana, but it feels 
backbreaking. It's it's yes. like the groan test, you know, like in LR terms, like every mm-hmm. time my opponent has casted against me, I've just thought, felt like, oh, like, yeah, <laughs> they're killing something and, and drawing a threat usually, which is pretty rough. Right. And Guiding Voice, we should mention, is really good in Silver Quill and potentially the aggressive versions of Lorehold as well. It's mm-hmm. the white for a sorcery, put a plus one, plus one counter on a creature and then learn. Having that be one mana is so efficient. Yeah, I know we were talking about this versus the tap two things, but I, I am definitely in the Guiding Voice camp in terms of white's like cheap learn cards. Just like leaving that counter around feels so strong, especially if you do get all of those like, you know, you get those one drops or you get those those evasive two drops, that type of thing. I have also been very impressed with Study Break for what it's worth out of my opponents and in the one Lorehold deck that I ran. That's the uh, the one in a white tap two things and then learn. Okay, great. Yeah, I, I'm not trying to count it out or anything. I'm just saying I, I think Guiding Voices just has, has impressed me even that much more. Yeah, and so these are the common learn cards we're going through here. And I do think these are the best ones. You picked these out and I sort of just agreed, which is pretty unusual for us <laughs> at the start of a format. <laughs> usually, usually there's a meeting before we record the episode and we do a little dickering and dealing and try to get on the same page. Yeah, we decide we try to figure out like what's worth arguing about on air and then what should we be a united front for. And like so that's good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> that's news to me. Another one that I have on this list is Field Trip. That's the two in a green search a library for a forest and learn. Curving this into elemental summoning, which is the five mana lesson that makes a four-four in Prismari, but you can play it in blue-green. So if you curve this into the elemental summoning in blue-green, it's really powerful. But also I just think this getting essentially two cards and ramping you. I have not found that like, you know, quote unquote, not affecting the board on turn three with this card to be that big of a downside. Well, it's because you stabilize so hard with something big afterwards. And heaven forbid, you know, you've played the Quandrix Uncommon that lets you, you know, look at the top three and put a land into your hand after you trigger Magecraft, like curving that into Field Trip, into Elemental Summoning, like you're just drawing stupid amounts of cards. Field Trip, I think there's been a lot of hype around it. And I think a lot of polarizing opinions and i think we are definitely on the side of field trip is pretty darn good yeah i mean i just think these the cards that say learn that are good and i think you know there's 10 at common i believe and i feel pretty split about like five of them are cards i'm not really interested in playing and five of them are cards that i'm very actively interested in playing and 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 this list is is those and the last one that i have here is hunt for specimens which is the one in a black make a pest token and then learn which I am lower on. I'm lower on the pest life in general. I think we'll get to that when we talk about Witherbloom specifically. But pests have not quite felt like they're worth a card. And so even though folks are like, this is better than Elvish Visionary, which is a way to think about it, right? It's a two mana one one that draws you a spell, right? It's, it's better than draw a card because it's drawing you a spell and a spell of your choice if you've drafted the lessons appropriately to have that toolbox of four or five different things. But that still hasn't felt very impactful to me. I like it in Witherbloom. I think it's probably a little out of place in Silver Quill would be my guess. I think it's really good in Witherbloom. Okay, really good in Witherbloom. All right. Yeah, I came in maybe just way too hot on it and I've cooled slightly, but that still probably means it's a good card. But it's not like you don't want to curve. So initially I was assuming like hunt into the pest summoning, which is the two pests. Like I thought that curve was going to be nuts. And that's not what you want to do. Like pest summoning is just, I think, by far the worst of the summonings, in my opinion. Yes. And okay. so hunt for specimens, I think you just want to like do this and go get environmental sciences or do this and go get, I don't know, intro to like prophecy or fractal whatever. summoning. And then later in the game, you're going to be able to play an eight, eight or whatever. Yeah. Fractal summoning. Can we talk about that for a second? I think that card is really underrated right now. Oh, yeah. All of the summonings are. I think one of the things that people don't get about the summonings right now is that, okay, let's take elemental summoning, for example. That's the Prismari Prismari hybrid one. Yeah. So five mana, four, four. 
Yeah, five mana, four, four. You can play that in Prismari. You can play it in Lorehold. You can play it in Quandrix. Like they all go in three things. So they're very, very flexible early picks. And same thing with Environmental Sciences. That's the two mana lesson that lets you search up a land and gain two or the three mana colorless one that puts two plus one plus one counters. Those premium lessons that go in a lot of decks are high picks, I think, because they let you get a good lesson in your sideboard, which is important. Like you need to have the toolbox of lessons in your sideboard while also letting you take time to figure out what the right college is to get into for your seat. And I think this format is a a pretty big shift from call time in that respect in that call time it it felt like you were kind of incentivized to carve your lane out and like stick with what you were drafting and you could kind of make it work and this is all about back to reading signals and finding the open college in my opinion have you been speaking of environmental sciences have you been splashing that much in your uh, eight draft so far yeah i have been splashing a fair amount Uh, i think quandrix really wants to splash red spells from prismari outside of that i have not done it a ton but i do think the tools are there and one of the awkward things is i feel like you're not really incentivized to do a multicolor pile i have done that once and it did not feel great and maybe that's just because some of the colleges are so open and the college synergies are so powerful right now that as they start to be less open and people figure out what the good cards are maybe that deck will become more viable yeah i'll I'll be interested to see if that you know becomes a week three week four kind of deck rest assured i will find it if it's there but yeah i I haven't been splashing that much i just have felt like when i identify when we were just talking about this before the show but when you identify the open college and we'll probably talk about this maybe now is a good time to talk about it but just how important it is to be able to jump ship like you know i draft five cards of a certain guild and then see a quintorius pick six i'm like okay no one's drafting lower hold i'm gonna jump ship for this like when you see those signposts on commons you should be so willing to dive in or take a flyer or speculate on a certain college because if you end up being the only person drafting that college your deck is insane i've gotten like pick 15 spectacle mages when i'm in prismari and that just feels busted Yeah, I really do think the uncommons drive the draft. And when you see late ones, you're supposed to jump ship. Every time my gut has said, you should audible to X, and I haven't done it, it's turned out to have been wide open and I should have done it. And it's uncomfortable giving up six picks or whatever. But I think it's right. And ultimately, you will get paid off more giving up those six picks and not fighting with someone and getting in the open college, I think. Because people just aren't moving off of their deck. So there's you can't carve your lane out. You can't just be like, I'm going to hold on to Quandrix and I'll get hooked up in pack three or whatever. It's just like, no, the other person is also not moving off of Quandrix and you're going to get cut. You're going to get a worse deck. So if you're not willing to speculate there mid to late pack one when you're seeing those and i think that those are the, the signposts on commons for sure right each of the legendary creatures are big ones but then i think like having an idea of we ranked the top three uncommons in each of the colleges last week and i think that was a pretty good indicator for me in terms of seeing those cards late as like i'm gonna take this and see if this college is open Yeah, I don't know if you have or not, but I have been in draft pods where literally no one is drafting a college because nobody moved, me included. Like, and it was just wildly obvious by pack two that like no one was Witherbloom or no one was Prismari. But by then it was sort of too late. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's going to happen. You're going to have those drafts. But I think the more that you can start to then identify, all right, when, when did I have that feeling? Go back to your draft log on 17 lanes. When did I have that feeling that this college might be open. And maybe it wasn't one of those signposts on commons, and maybe it was a common or something that you saw, right? I remember this happened to me in Ravnica Allegiance, seeing those late blade jugglers. And it took me a while to be like, 
this means Rakdos is open. This means Rakdos is open. Move in. And there may be some commons for signals in this set as well that we'll figure out in the coming weeks. And I'm sure we'll revisit this and probably dedicate a whole episode to it because it feels like a very important part of the format. But one of the things we haven't talked about in a while also that I've been trying to note for myself is just a density of cards consistently coming from a college, Mm. like even if they're not premium ones. Like around pick six, pick seven. If I just start to see a lot of cards that look like they go in Lorehold or look like they go in Witherbloom to really start to just clock that as I'm drafting as well. Right. So identifying those monocolored cards that are essentially secret gold cards, like if we thought talk about Hunt for Specimens as a Witherbloom card, like it's really not what Silver Quill wants to do. But if you see that with, you know, maybe some life gain stuff and then you're like, all right, maybe Witherbloom is open, pick six, pick seven. Yeah. So we've sort of derailed here. We were talking about learn quite a bit, but I think that was an important conversation to have. All the uncommon learn spells are absolutely absurd. Yeah. Igneous Inspiration, the three mana deal three in red, divide by zero, which you pegged as being a remand variant. Uh, So that's the three mana bounce spell, but you can also return a spell. So like you can, it's essentially like a, a counter spells, quote unquote, and then you draw from the learn. And then Professor of Symbology, the two mana two one in white. They're just insane. They just feel like straight up two for ones. Even Academic Dispute, the single red instant that can make something block and then you get a learn. That card is just absurd. Yeah, that card's really, really good. I've used it in, in both modes, I'm, or I guess maybe three modes. Like I've used it as just like straight up cantrip end of turn. And then I've used it as like force my opponent to block. And then I've also used it as surprise. I can block your flyer. Yeah. Card is really, really good and versatile. Yeah. So I just think overall the lessons are like they're, they're over costed, right? But they are good. And getting unique lessons is really important. Um, when I, when I did that silver quill draft, I talked about, I just wanted as many inkling summonings as I could get. Cause I just wanted to get, the three mana two on flyers to keep beating down. But otherwise, I've just found that toolbox to be so important, right? Fractal summoning when I just need something big and dumb. Intro to prophecy when I want to dig for more gas. Intro to annihilation to kill my opponent's bomb. Or honestly, it's usually just oops, I win, right? It's just like get that key blocker out of the way and the card you draw doesn't matter. Like they're all utility and they're not being picked high enough. I agree. I think the the premium ones are environmental sciences and expand for anatomy out of the colorless ones. I think those two are significantly better than intro to prophecy and intro to annihilation. I want to put my vote in that I'm and I'm Mr. Splashy. I don't much care about environmental sciences. And the reason is I want the lessons to generally be like the last thing that I play. Sometimes with anatomy, the plus one plus one counter one that can like enable an attack for you. But I haven't really cared that much about environmental sciences personally. I think you're going to change your tune about that for whatever it's worth. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. I feel pretty confident that environmental sciences is busted. Like I would be thrilled to first pick an environmental sciences. Can you talk to me about the play pattern or the like cards you're happy to learn with? Because I feel like generally if I've got my stuff going on now, obviously if I can, you know, if I keep a two lander and I have hunt for specimens, this is probably the thing I'm going to go find. But otherwise I would rather have intro to prophecy because I just want to like use this as the last card to then dig for more action. But I think there's times where you really want to hit land drops, especially in Witherbloom and Quandrix and you're triggering Magecraft along the way and you're gaining life for stuff in Witherbloom and it lets you splash like Quandrix. Having the ability to go get environmental sciences off of field trip like when you're field tripping you're making so much mana and then having the ability to go get environmental sciences to then splash whatever you want if you have two field trips and two environmental sciences 
that's like two free, totally free sources of cards for basic lands. I just think it opens up so many things for you. Like the way you thought about Skittering Surveyor in Dominaria, that's how I feel about environmental sciences right now. Like that it just opens up so many doors for you. Okay, great. You really don't have to talk that much about a colorless fixer for me to get excited. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's interesting right now it has not felt like, you know, I've, I often have it in my wish board or whatever, but I usually don't grab it out of there. I'm I'm usually happier to grab something else. It has been the one I've grabbed the most. That's funny. Wow. Okay. Interesting. So sciences, I think, and expanded anatomy. And then the five summonings for me are the premium ones. And I'm way less excited about intro to prophecy and intro to annihilation. Like I want one of each, but those don't feel like ones you have to pick as highly to me. Yeah, for sure. Intro to annihilation will probably just always be a freebie. I just think folks are never going to get that excited about it because of how bad it looks. But I'm going to tell you, you're going to want just to have access to it. Having that whatever the 5%, 10% chance or the times where that comes up where you're like, this is the one thing I want. It's nice to have it. Absolutely. All right. Well, you alluded to it just a little bit triggering Bencraft. Where are you at on Magecraft? How has it played out for you? Magecraft has been absurd for me. I think there's a difference between the good Magecraft cards and the fine Magecraft cards. When you have something like the Quandrix Apprentice that when you trigger Magecraft, you know, lets you look at the top three of your library and get a land in your hand or the Witherbloom Apprentice where, you know, you drain one, gain one, and then it triggers all your life gain stuff. Those cards triggering Magecraft feels borderline absurd. And especially if you're doing things like copying spells. So there's cards like Mentor's Guidance, which is Tuna Blue for the sorcery that copies itself. Basically, if you have any creature in play, I don't know, there's a subset of types like Wizard, Cleric, Druid. I have never not found myself able to trigger it when I wanted to. And it copies itself. So it's essentially Divination, Scry 2, but it triggers Magecraft twice. Or the black spell like Plum the Forbidden, one in a black instant. Uh, as an additional cost to cast it, you can sacrifice one or more creatures. When you do copy it for each creature sacrificed this way, you draw a card and you lose a life. Comboing off with those or storm cards that trigger multiple instances of Magecraft on your good Magecraft cards just is really, really powerful and really cool, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I have my biggest impression of the... Magecraft stuff has been in Prismari, but triggering that Prismari Apprentice that gets unblockable and then if the spell you cast is 5 CMC or greater, it gets a plus and plus one counter on it. That just gets out of hand in a hurry. And your assessment of like, I think it's going to be pretty easy to trigger this every turn if you want because of the learn lesson thing that's happening. Like it's very easy to go learn and now this triggers a thing and now the lesson is also going to trigger Magecraft. That happens pretty often and it's not not hard to trigger those those things if you want to. I agree. And even at the common level, something like Quandrix Pledge Mage just getting absolutely monstrous has happened in a hurry. That really is just Spellgorger weird, right? It's better than Spellgorger weird was in this format, I think. Because of the copying stuff or, or also just because of the density of spells. Because like how of the easy, density how much of spells. Easy, yeah. Yeah. And it's snowballs. I think, you know, one of the cards that's really impressed me, we're kind of blowing it here as far as the show notes, <laughs> but there's so much to I mean, talk about. Yeah. Um, one of the cards that's really impressed me is Mage Duel. Um, that two and a green and gets yes, your creature plus one yeah. plus two and then you fight and you can cast it for a single green if you'd cast another spell before it. That's also another one where like you can environmental sciences and then, you know, get a land and then do that for a single green. Just having that cheap way to trigger that for a single green feels very powerful. Yeah, I will say that I've wanted that card more in my proactive decks 
but it's not hard to have proactive decks here. Right? I just you just want to make sure that you're casting those fight spells, you know, appropriately, not in open mana. But I have found it so easy to be like, ooh, I can craft this turn where I do this thing, and now I have a single green left over to play Mage Duel. And Mage Duel for my opponents have, has very often felt backbreaking. We're gonna probably have to devote a whole episode, or at least part of a whole episode, to Mystical Archive cards, which I think are a really cool addition. But just briefly, my assessment is that Blue Red feels like it gets the best bang for the buck with all the big spells and all the like ways to copy spells. And I think Approach of the Second Sun may be the all-star Mystical Archive card. It would not shock me. I think Lorehold also gets a lot of good ones. They're sweet. It's a little awkward because I don't know what to play around because there's so much to play around. <laughs> right. The other day, I got to copy Electrolyze. And I don't know if you know how busted Electrolyze is in a format with all these tiny creatures and all this these X ones floating around. But like, it's just backbreaking. And my, my opponent played like Lightning Bolt into Electrolyze against me. And I was like, what is happening? So yeah, <laughs> I agree that it, it feels kind of bad. If it feels a little swingy, like if you don't see the good ones or like your opponents play some really good ones, or are you supposed to play around Day of Judgment or Crux of Fate as sweepers from your opponent? Like there's a lot to try and keep track of. And I just sort of write them off a little bit um, and it can feel swingy. But I think overall, it's a cool addition to a limited environment. I agree. I have been gotten pretty hard so far. I was assuming that Mana Tithe was going to be my most hated mythical archive card. <laughs> and so far, it has been Negate. I have gotten savaged by like multiple, multiple Negates. Yeah, the other day I drafted it on the wheel. I was like not excited about it. Chat was telling me to be more excited about it. I drafted it on the wheel, played it in a Prismari deck. And I got to say, it felt really good. It felt, you know, that like warm, cozy feeling you get <laughs> when you have got like whatever, a dive down or that type of deal. It just felt like as long as I had that up, I couldn't lose. And so I think Negate is very main deckable in this format. I agree. I think so too. Lastly, before we dive into the colleges here, do you want to just talk briefly about how games have played out for you yeah we alluded to this a little bit in my first little spiel but a lot of my games have felt like i have just had way more resources than my opponents and i think it's because i've been doing the learn lesson stuff better than most of my opponents so a lot of the games have played out like my opponents are the aggressor and i've been quandrix or prismari or lorehold and i have just eventually stabilized and once i've stabilized i just have five or six extra cards in my opponent. And that has how I've been winning the game. I have been going over the top of people in the vast majority of my wins. Now, I have not drafted Silver Quill yet. So with that, with that caveat. Yeah, I will say as my lone Silver Quill draft that that is not how the game's played out. I've just tried to go like creature, 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 finding Glink Summoning, triggering. Oh man, I had that rare, the two mana, two, two in white that has Magecraft. Your creatures get plus one, plus one until end of turn. Going like Guiding Light and then finding Inkling Summoning, triggering that twice is absolutely busted. That sounds sweet. Yeah, it's really, really sweet. So yeah, Silver Quill, the, the one draft I had was very aggressive, but I agree that the rest of the colleges have played out. Actually, I, I we'll talk about this in just a second when we get to talking about Prismari, but I think Prismari, maybe even all the colleges have two flavors to them, a more aggressively slanted version and then a more controlling slanted version. And Prismari Aggro Tempo... It was the real deal. And so I think, you know, you can you can pressure your opponents, but then I also think you can go over the top and cast your eight mana spells. Yeah. So as far as speed of the format, I think, you know, you have to be doing things early. It feels like this is just magic at this point. You can't just not do anything early. So if you, you have to get on the board early, but you're definitely fine to ramp to and cast eight mana spells like field trip is a good card in the format. If that for whatever that tells you about the speed, like going to drop into field trip is 
totally fine. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think this is sort of why I kind of wanted to scrap our usual template for these, you know, first week of the format episodes is like the usual questions didn't feel that relevant here, or, or maybe they're just outdated and we need to come up with new ones. But that's one of them that just like speed of the format. I don't know. It's just affect the board and there are aggro decks and there are control decks and that's just limited these days. Yeah, I think so. I think Watsi is just doing a great job designing sets. Yeah. All right. I want to talk about uh, these colleges here. So first up is Prismari. And as I said, I think this definitely has two flavors. I've played both a big copy spell type deal, right? The second draft of the format, I copied Magma Opus with Rutha. So you can do that. (laughs) But then you can also like really tempo people out with unblockable Prismari apprentices or just two mana three threes with Magecraft and then your three mana two two flyers. This is where I think Frost Trickster really shines in these tempo blue decks, either blue green or blue red. Um, So I've definitely had success with both versions. Yeah, I have been primarily bigger in Prismari. I've had one tempo aggro version that was very, very good, Um, but I generally liked Actually, Prismari kind of combined with Quandrix. I just think those two naturally meld together a little bit, and they both really want to get to big, flashy stuff. Yeah, for sure. This sort of has my vote for best college early on, but as we said, that's not really that important. The best college is the one that's open for your seat, but this feels super powerful to me, and and I like its versatility as well. So when I've played, I have been super impressed with Rutha, but I have not played teach for example much yet at all in fact i haven't cast it yet how have you felt about that i just haven't found room for it honestly like that's the thing is i feel like this there's so much other stuff going on even at common that and and especially when you know i think if you're drafting this set appropriately you're gonna feel like you've got so many playables at the end of the draft because you found the open college for your seat that i just there's these cards that are like yeah this could be good but i don't know how i'm supposed to find room for it but surprisingly, I have found room and been quite happy with Curate, which was interesting because this is one of the cards that I talked you down from uh, uh, on the crash course. But this is the one in a blue. Look at the top two cards and you can put any number of them into your graveyard, then put the rest on the top of your library and your order and then draw a card. But basically, it's just like two mana scry to draw a card, essentially. And that as a cheap way to cantrip and trigger Magecraft. I have liked a couple copies in Prismari. So how do you feel about Curate versus the uh, one in a blue minus O, minus four, minus O and learn? I like the minus four, minus O, I think better, but it just depends on what my like lesson suite is, you know, and what other learn spells I have. Like, I like that card fine, but it's not, I, I feel like it's borderline. Maybe it's like the fifth or sixth best learn card at common. Yeah, I've been happy with it. I have I have found it difficult to get as many learn cards as I want in blue red because enthusiastic studies. So that's the two in a red plus three plus one trample learn. I think the card's powerful, but I have not been aggressive Prismari quite as much. And if you don't like enthusiastic study and you don't get the good uncommon ones, it's hard to learn as much as I would like to learn in Prismari. Yeah. So then you want to get that minus four minus O in there. I I, I think that's fine. I, I think I've just been impressed and surprised. I think I've run like one to two curates in both of my Prismari decks. You've got to know about Snow Day here. I have not seen that cast yet. What's that like? So Snow Day is four blue, blue, tap two things. They don't untap next turn. And then you draw to discard a card. This basically feels like sleep to me, which is one of my least favorite limited cards because it's like just oops, I win. So that's two blue blue and you just like tap all of your opponent's stuff and they don't untap next turn. But the fact that you can do this at instant speed, that means you get two creatures out of the way for two turns. It's just really broken and God forbid you 
copy it. God forbid you have it cheaper, right? Because you've got some spectacle mages out there and now it costs five or four or whatever. Uh, I've been very impressed by Snow Day. Where are you picking it? Not highly, but I think like I I found, so the the two Prismari drafts I had, one, I had no problem getting, you know, a handful of five CMC or greater cards like those big spells and the other one this one that ended up being a tempo aggro version i just didn't get there i got like four or five spectacle mages but i didn't get the big stuff to make cheaper and so this feels like one of the the good ones and uncommon when you have the spectacle mages so i i don't know how to answer when i'm picking it but not early i'm not like hyped to take it early because it's an expensive spell but I think it's like, you know, it probably is also a Quandrix card because you can ramp to it. I just think it's like pretty decent top end. Yeah, it seems like a good card to me. I just have not, I'm not sure where to pick it and I'm not sure when to include it over what. All right, moving on to Lorehold. What's been going on here? Ooh, baby. I've already done it, Ben. I've already decked myself with Lorehold Excavation. And, so. and, and had the ways to fill your library in or just lost in style? Lost in style, basically. <laughs> I mean, I you know, I had I had Quintorius. I had two of the Pilgrim of the Ages or whatever, which holy cow. Can we talk about that? Two and a white, two, one, find a planes and you can pay six to recur it back to your hand. This card is busted. This is maybe the best common in the set. It's so good. That seems a, like a bit of a hot take to me, but I agree. Pilgrims have been very, very, very strong for me and for my opponents. It just feels like it's like you just see it and you're like, wait, you get to do what? And this is a common? It's, on, it's a lot of value. So the, the play pattern for the card, I don't know. Is it good in Silver Quill? That's my question. No, it's not. Not good in Silver Quill. But in Lorehold, the play pattern for the card is sometimes late in the game, you're just able to block and rebuy it and just get all of the planes out of your deck later in the game. Yeah, I've definitely gotten all the planes out of my deck before with the, with Lorehold. So yeah, I think it's interesting because there are these secret gold cards. I mean, I'm sure there is. Like, I think if you open Crux of Fate or whatever, if you get you can get a controlling Silver Quill deck. I just don't think that's like its default. Quintorius, just as busted as we thought, maybe even more so. This is the three red white, two four legendary creature. Spirits you control get plus one plus so. And then whenever a card leaves your graveyard, you get to make a three two spirit. And Quintorius is, I think, the only one that has them come into play untapped. Like every other effect, the three twos are tapped. And then when the first time I activated Quintorius and the, I just got a four two immediately that I could block with. I was like, wait, what? Why does this card do this? Why does it need to be this good? So yeah, Quintorius is insane. Yeah, Quintorius is a must kill. Most most of those cards are kill on site. The college students or whatever they're called. Yeah, I've seen some red white aggro decks with like Blood Age Generals, even a star pupil getting in there, getting the job done. It's not how I've been drafting the deck myself, just because I think so many of the tools at common are grindy, like the two mana two one that dies and then you can pay five to exile from your yard to make a spirit. Like there's just all those tools, Pilgrim of the Ages, grinds very well. I have found the one thing to be that I need because white doesn't provide removal. You really got to get like the five mana deal five from red. You've got to find ways to deal with big stuff. Do you not like expel? So expels the two and a white exile target tapped creature. I like expel fine. Like I'm happy to run. I'm a one to two. I don't know. I would rather be able to kill a thing without uh, any sort of clause to it. So to me, I have found when I've played lore hold that the combination of expel and heated debate generally has me covered like heated bait lets you reach out and kill something and then expel deals with the bigger threats all right maybe maybe i need to move expel up just a little bit i like expel a lot in lore hold and i have played against the red white aggro decks as well the only time i've played lore hold i've been control but the 
red white aggro decks have felt pretty anemic to me and maybe people just weren't building them right against me but i just went huge over the top of them yeah that makes sense i think maybe you have to be a a little choosier about it or i think maybe you have to open a certain variety of cards like i said i think the default like silver quill the default is aggro i think for lore hold the default should be control and the last card here i want to talk about is pillar drop warden i don't know what your experience of this card has been but it's really impressed me so this is the four mana one five reach and then you can pay two tap sack at sorcery speed to get an instant or sorcery out of your yard this just like stabilizes on turn four so nicely and then later in the game triggers your quintorius and rebuys your removal spell i think the card is very good yeah, Pillar Drop Warden has impressed me in Lorehold and in Prismari, and frequently I've ended a lot of games just rebuying Creative Outburst or yeah. Explosive Welcome or something like that, and just knowing that you can dome your opponent for 10, those cards just give your deck so much reach. I know I was complaining about it being a sorcery speed activation, but I think it would just be way too good if you could do it at instant speed. Yes, it would be busted. All right, what's going on in Witherbloom? Witherbloom has been a roller coaster for me. So <laughs> I was hot on Witherbloom, similar to you, I think, in like... The pests and the one drops curving into Bayou Groff, which is the one in a green five four that, you know, you can either sack a creature when it ETBs or pay three. And then, you know, there's things like the the Demigoth, the four mana seven six that wants you to sack a creature every upkeep, or if you sack it, your opponent discards a card, you draw a card, and you gain some life. That is just not what Witherbloom wants to do, in my opinion, at all. Like to the point where after doing it, once or twice i think i've done it twice maybe i am looking to never put any of those cards in my deck ever again if i can avoid it it just feels like you're trying to do this thing where you make pests and then sack them into a creature where like all of your eggs are in the basket of that one creature and it doesn't even have trample or anything and then while all of your eggs are in that basket it's also tearing apart the board that you spent your early turns building up it's just felt really bad to me in that way but I do think there's a great version of Witherbloom where you're just focused on life gain and blood researcher. And that's the one black green for a 2-2 menace. And whenever you gain life, it gets a plus one plus one counter. That is what I think Witherbloom wants to do. It's primarily a life gain deck built around multiple blood researchers and triggering magecraft. You know, the Witherbloom Apprentice, which is the uncommon that whenever you trigger magecraft, it drains one, gains one. That all feels super, super strong to me. Yeah, so I think I would it, I would categorize it as an aggro deck because i think the danger with Witherbloom, and i think that's where the the sacrifice stuff gets you in trouble at least that's my early estimation uh the sacrifice stuff gets you into trouble because then i think you're dangerously mid-range and i think we may be at a point you know there was a i think there's a shift here ben in in limited and i want to float this by you that you know for a while there was you know all limited decks are flavors of mid-range that was the heuristic i think aggro is good enough in as many sets as i can remember and control is viable too. I think you get into trouble when you're in that mid-range spot. Like all of these colleges either do one end of the thing or the other. And I think Witherbloom, sacrifice pesty thing is like, I'm mid-range. I'm going toe-to-toe. I'm card for card grindy. It's like, who cares? I'm making infinite spirits in Lorehold or I'm casting eight mana spells in Prismari. And I think Witherbloom gets into trouble there being mid-range. I could see that a little bit. I mean, I do think the life gain deck is kind of mid-rangey and it pretty much crushes anything that's aggressive like Silver Cool because you're just gaining so much life. But I do Mm -hmm. agree the deck wants to be it's like a combo beatdown deck almost. So I think basically with Witherbloom, you're just trying to get to a board state where you have Overgrown Arch. That's the one in a green for an 04 where you can tap to gain a life. And you can also pay two to sack it at any point to learn, which is just huge upside. Well, the insane thing about that ability is that it doesn't cause it to tap. 
And so as long as your opponent has two mana, and this does feel like a must kill threat in the right decks, like when this is being combined with blood researchers and they're just growing it every single turn, like you have, you're like, well, which do I kill? Do I kill the researcher? Do I kill the arch? But then if they have two mana open, they can always just go learn and find a lesson. So like your removal spell is blanked. This card is really good. Yeah, I agree. That card is super good. So basically you're trying to get to a board state where you have that 0-4 wall. You have your blood researcher that you're, you know, growing as you gain life. You want a Dina Soul Steeper, which is the uncommon. That's the green, black, one, three. And whenever you gain a life, each opponent loses a life. You want the apprentice. And once you just have all of these pieces, you just have this engine that is slowly crushing the life out of your opponent, which seems like kind of a wither bloomy thing to do. But you also can just go off with the 2-2 Menace and just crush your opponents as well. Right. And then your opponent is put into this position where like, you know, random pests from either Hunt for Specimens or Professor of Zoomancy, they can like get kind of free attacks with those because you're like, or not free attacks, but maybe like you don't want to attack into them because then they get additional life gain triggers when they chump with the pests. Like that's where I think Witherbloom is at its best. I don't think it wants to be doing the cute sack stuff. Yes, I agree. The sack stuff is not good. And I think the equipment that gives your thing flying here is also really good because it can just make it to where you don't lose to flyers also. And you just have this inevitable engine where you're going to eventually win the game. So I, I do think it can compete late as well. All right, that's fair. Maybe maybe my, my mid-range take is too hot. Well, but I think the take is right. I do think in limit, like I think that is a truer thing that you don't want to be stuck in the middle in limited these days. I think mm-hmm. the overarching point is good. I just don't know that it necessarily pigeonholes the life gain thing and wither bloom the right way. Yeah, that's fair. All right, moving on to Quandrix. I have savaged people with Quandrix. Yeah, I'm ready to, to hear about your... I played Quandrix as well, but I'm, I'm excited to hear your take on this college. Yeah, so I think you're really trying to ramp with Quandrix. You want to theoretically get to eight mana, but you don't necessarily care about putting all of the things in your deck that want to get to eight mana. Basically, you just want to make mana, draw cards, and go over the top of your opponent. I think that is Quandrix. Getting to eight mana, it's going to happen, but it's not necessarily like, ooh, we've got to eight mana, now we're going to win because all of our things are better. Right, I was pretty excited going in about those two commons the two two in green that's a four four reach when you have eight mana and the two three in blue that gets plus one plus oh and unblockable those just haven't been cards that i've really found room for in the quandrix decks yeah they're fine i mean they're they're going to be like your 21st through 23rd cards if you get them in there i think but i think quandrix is one of the decks that takes the best advantage of lesson and learn partially just because field trip is so strong at common and you get to learn off of field trip so then being able to go get a fractal summoning and you know quadrix also has ways to give your fractal summoning trample because of master symmetrist which is like the two green green four four with reach and then you know whenever uh, something with even power and toughness attacks you know all those things get trampled until the end of turn so that gives your fractal summonings a way to punch through and then it just gets things like you know divide by zero at uncommon It, it there's just so many ways to learn and so many good lessons to go get and it also i think has some of the best magecraft cards in the apprentice that you know lets you look at the top three get a land and the pledge mage that grows itself yeah so i think it just feels like everything you've ever wanted to do in a game of limited and then you also get mage duel i think that's super important for quandrix because you just don't get a lot of other ways to just get something off the battlefield and you're casting so many spells that it's frequently single green plus one plus two fight which is just really powerful in the deck i have found that you get clogged at the three drop slot a lot like if you're playing your frost tricksters you're playing your quandrix pledge mages your field trips like it's very easy for that three drop slot to get glutted in this deck so i think you want to be a little choosy about you know what where you 
take three drops. Like I, I found it much easier to get threes than twos. Like I really want to prioritize the twos in this deck. And I think, you know, it's interesting because it's a ramp deck, but I do think that it's it's a good proactive deck, right? Frost Trickster and Mage Duel really pressure your opponent. Growing your Quandrix Pledge Mage is really uh, pressures your opponent. And then if you can, you know, splash those top end spells. But it's interesting that like it's a ramp deck, but I do feel like it's a really good proactive deck. Yeah, I agree as well. I think Bookworm is the truth. That's our yes. preview card, 7G for the 7-7 seven, seven Trample. When ETBs, you draw a card and gain three life, and then you can also just randomly rebuy it if it happens to die. Um, that and the big Prismari finishers are great here, but I, one of the things that sticks out to me about Quandrix is that the card quality in every aspect of the deck, you know, whether you're beating down or whether you're ramping, all of your cards are just great. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. it's just the college that has the rawest card quality for the deck. Yeah, I think that that's fair. All right, moving on to Silver Quill. What's going on here? I have not played it myself. And honestly, I have not played against it much. Yeah, I haven't seen that many Silver Quill decks on the other side of the battlefield. But it's not like it's also felt like super open in my drafts. Um, so it's interesting. I wonder just where those Silver Quill decks are. But I have played one and it was really freaking good. I had four <laughs> guiding lights, four eye twitches. And I will say, Ben, I did run the Lumamancer in this deck as another one drop. Yes. As expected, I poo-pooed the card and then played with it on day <laughs> two. Um, so I will say it's played out exactly as I expected. Aggro is the name of the game. I think I'm sure there are different flavors as I've seen. I think like Alex tweeted out that he feels like it's not about the one drops, but my experience was different. But also it felt like that a kind of deck that like isn't going to come together once people are evaluating stuff differently. Two cards that I want to talk about here that have impressed me are Arrogant Poet and Guiding Light. So we talked about Guiding light as the one mana put a plus and plus one counter on a thing and then learn and then arrogant poet as the one in a black two one that when it attacks you can pay two life to give it flying those are, were both big overperformers for me i have seen arrogant poets on the other side of the battlefield as well that have felt like i gotta kill this thing at a certain point um, so if you can grow it or mitigate the life loss i think it's a really good evasive two drop there's this play pattern of guiding light into expanded anatomy which gives the two plus plus one counters and vigilance that sort of just feels like a build your own exhilarating elocution like your preview card the two white black put two counters on a thing and then everything else gets plus one plus one mm-hmm. um so that's a fun play pattern and also sort of makes elocution not that necessary to the deck inkling summoning i think is the best bet from the sideboard here uh i liked having like a handful of those just keeping the magecraft triggers coming while affecting the board with an evasive threat silver quill pledge mage your your buddy there the one hybrid hybrid three one that has magecraft either flying or lifelink until end of turn that with inkling summoning and all the learn stuff is really good so i thought that the deck because it was aggressive wouldn't care that much about learn lesson but it's just there and especially because of how good guiding light is you do want to make sure you have stuff to grab but it feels less about a toolbox here and more about as many two one flyers as you can get your hands on yeah that makes sense to me i have been very impressed with owl and shield mate as well out of my opponents that's the three white black three three with ward pay three life there's just a certain point where like it's really hard to interact with yeah i totally agree it's been very impressive and the, the other one that has really impressed me out of my Silver or Cool opponents is Combat Professor, and honestly, out of my Lorehold opponents as well. It's three and a white for the 2-3 flyer, and at the beginning of combat on your turn, target creature you control gets plus one plus oh and gains vigilance until end of turn. 
it's just felt like that little thing where it comes down pre-combat and often enables an attack for something where you're like, I don't really want to block that, but I don't really want to take three, you know, it has just made life awkward. And I think in multiples, they also stack really well. Yeah, I agree. I think yeah, Alex was giving me crap about liking this card. He was like, do we have to talk about why phantom monsters are not good and limited? And it's just like, this does way more than that. Yeah. Combat professor has been good. Yeah. I like it. So really, it sounds like we're happy with all five colleges and the best one is the one that's open for your seat. I do think that is a good summary. Yes, for sure. So just some other individual cards that maybe haven't come up in our discussion of the colleges. Access Tunnel, I have played with a little bit and I've liked it, but I think you've had some even better experiences than me. Yeah, I mean, I just I've faced it. It has played out exactly how I thought. And I think this being an 18 land format means you're going to have room for a colorless land in your deck a lot of the time. Um, It's a little awkward with like, do I want to pump mana into this or into my campuses? As we've said, there's no shortage of places to put mana but access tunnel as colorless land pay three tap target creature with power three or less is unblockable this turn i faced it and seen it and just gone oh i can't win like i felt like i was stable and now my opponent's just going to kill me in three turns and i've also had that experience where i'm like oh i had this with the uh the three mana two two in blue that untaps a permanent and i was like boom two things are unblockable a turn now Whoa. and i just like killed my opponent out of nowhere in two turns so i just think the card is good and it being an 18 land format makes it even better you know what land is busted the rare that puts a plus one plus one counter on something when you trigger magecraft yep that land is absurd so let's touch in on lash of malice so you were pretty hot on this i liked it not quite as much as you it's uh, single black for an instant target creature gets plus two minus two until end of turn How have you felt about Lash? Well, there's two things happening right now. One is that I think it's fine. It it feels like it's closer to Frostbite territory. But I also think that's partially because it's going really late. I feel like I can easily get one to two copies of this in the drafts where I'm supposed to be in either Witherbloom or Silverquill. Um, So I don't feel like I have to prioritize it that highly. But I'm also taking college cards over this most of the time. So it's not there. It's not like top common for me anymore. Yeah, that's felt right to me. Like, I think I'm very happy with one copy in my decks. And maybe I would run the second is kind of how I feel about it. I mean, it kills a lot. And as we assessed, you're trading up on mana a lot with it, which is good. But it's just not that necessary. And it, you know, as limited sets get better and better designed, you just like want this. You want to be doing your stuff. You want to be posing questions not looking for answers and lash of malice just sort of as that as that idea of like removal is is fine you want to play a copy of this but it's not anything to write home about yeah another card that we haven't talked about that has been the hotness is berry and books so this is four and a blue for an instant and you put target creature uh, into its owner's library second from the top and it costs two less to cast if the creature is attacking yeah i like this card a lot what's really sweet about it is you know there's a lot of little things happening spectacle mage makes this cost one less and so then that like attacking creature thing is one in a blue instead of two in a blue you can copy it kind of easily in prismari as well with that cost reduction i think it's a really good split card and i feel like you always understand like you know, putting the thing on top is essentially like removing it. But then your opponent just happens to draw a copy of that card again. But it going too deeper really solidifies that like too deep really does feel like removal. I have heard takes ranging from best common. Whoa, like for Barry in books. I'm not there yet. It does do a lot. And the fact that, you know, it can kill a 9-9 fractal summoning or whatever, or reset a Quandrix pledge mage that's a 7-7 does a lot. I mean, and it's I've got my eye on it. There have been enough people and it's been good for me. My my stance on it right now is good. I just haven't 
played with it enough to be in that level of territory. Like I'm not picking this over Frost Trickster, for example, or Mage Duel or something like that. No, I'm not either. And yeah, I agree. I'm, I don't think it's going to make top common territory for me, but I do think it's good. And I have found it really awkward. Like if my opponent's telegraphing it, I don't want to attack into this. Like I don't want them to get to pay three mana to basically kill my creature. Yeah. It has been good. So I think our initial assessment of blue doesn't get removal was probably wrong because of the existence of this card. Yeah, that makes sense. Other couple cards that have been underperformers for me, Brachus Trudge has been a little awkward. So two and a black, four, two, and it comes into play tapped when you cast it from your hand, which was not something I had really internalized. I knew it came back tapped when you rebought it, but normally those things you know, go back to the battlefield tap, but this one comes back to your hand, and then when you cast it, it's tapped. But the very first time you casted it being tapped has felt pretty awkward to me. It's fine. I think you're playing it in Witherbloom, but it is not, for example, it's way lower pick than the 04 wall or a way lower pick than the apprentice, you know, the the signpost uncommon, those sorts of things. Yeah, well, way lower pick than Blood Researcher, right? Like they're both at the three drop slot, but Blood Researcher is your way better life gain payoff. Yeah, I just don't I don't think Brackish Trudge is what you want to be doing. Yeah, I agree. I had not really put the Blood Researcher thing together, but yes, you're definitely taking Blood Researcher over Brackish Trudge. What about Storm Kiln Artist? Storm Kiln Artist is the three and a red two two and Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you make a treasure token and it gets plus X plus O where X is equal to the number of artifacts you control. Yeah, LSV had a clip where he went off with like six copies of Grape Shot to grow this to like a huge threat too. Yeah, that that I think is the rarity, the yeah, exception that's, rather that's, than the rule. I mean, that's LSV. <laughs> yeah, it's a little magical Christmas landy. It's I think it underperforms. It's clunky and awkward and I think it just generally doesn't fit great in the curve of what prismari is doing to me i've had it in a deck and i for example i picked it over opt and opt just would have been way better in my deck because i had some pledge mages and other things of that nature like theoretically it's ramping you to the creative outbursts and the explosive welcomes of the world but you're just getting to those cards anyway i think over the course of a game and i think taking turn four off to play a card that just can't really block like it's sort of an enchantment that's just really fragile and just doesn't do enough for you because it trades with everything on the ground i don't know it's felt awkward to me yeah that makes sense i I think if it's uh if it's a four drop that you're unimpressed by then that's that's fine you can find better four drops like you're probably just happier with the one five reach over this all the time right yes i think so Okay, so before we go here, we're going to do a little pack one, pick two action because 17 (laughs) lands doesn't save the pack one, pick one. So pack one, pick one, you'll just have to trust that uh, I made the right decision here. So pack one, pick one, we took a master symmetrist. That's the two GG for a four, four with reach and whatever creature you control with power equal to its toughness attacks gains trample until end of turn. Yeah, the card's busted. Yeah, very good. All right, so moving on to pack one, pick two, you see the following cards as options. There's a Needlethorn Drake, blue-green for the 1-1 flying Death Touch. I think once you're in Quandrix, this is a really good pickup. It shouldn't push you towards Quandrix at all, but this getting you to the late game has felt very good to me in Quandrix. Yeah, I think you you can get these pretty late. And they may even be, you know, depending on, as we talked about, like that density of blue and green cards, maybe a signal mid to late pack one. In the red life, there's an illustrious historian. There's one in a red for a 2-1. You can pay five to exile it to make a 3-2 tapped red and white spirit creature token once it's in your graveyard. There's environmental sciences, two mana for the sorcery lesson. Search your library for basic land card, reveal it, put it in your hand, then shuffle. You gain two. There's negate, one in a blue instant counter target non-creature spell. And I do think it's not crazy to think about taking that this pack is 
kind of weak. Um, and then moving into the uncommons, there's Dueling Coach, three and a white for a 2-2, two, two, and ETBs put a plus one plus one counter on target creature, and you can pay four and a white, tap it, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control that has a plus one plus one counter on it. There's Ether Helix, three blue green for a sorcery, return target permanent to its owner's hand, and return a permanent card from your graveyard to your hand. And then rare still in the pack, Accomplished Alchemist, three and a green for a 2-5, tap to add one mana of any color, and you can tap it to add X mana of any one color, where X is the amount of life you've gained this turn. Yeah, there's something interesting happening in this pack, which is that like, I don't quite know about the power level of a lot of these cards in terms of where to pick them. And so a card like Environmental Sciences is quite appealing because it's a card where you're like, I know I'm going to want one of these in my little lesson wishboard. So taking it here seems totally reasonable. I would probably just like it's early in the format and the card seems fine enough. Like five toughness feels very good and I want to be green. So I would probably take Accomplished Alchemist, the, the rare, but it's not that good. And like, I don't love starting with two four drops. I could see an argument for taking negate. I could see an argument for it's like, what is the if this were pack one, pick one, I just feel like environmental sciences has that like gluey golden egg skittering surveyor thing going on where it's like, I know I'm going to want this. And if I'm giving up on something, it's like taking a land, right? If it's wrong, it can't be wrong by that much. And so taking environmental sciences feels good here. Yeah, that's actually what I ended up on taking environmental sciences. And it's interesting. So I'm going to throw the next pick at you too here. So there's only really two cards in contention, I think. And this is kind of format defining here, I think, in some ways. So now we've got a Master Symmetrist and an Environmental Sciences. And I think you're faced between a choice, maybe three cards are in contention. There's a Quandrix Pledge Mage, uh, the 2-2 with Magecraft. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, you get a counter on it. And then Professor of Zoomancy, the Bear Prof, uh, 3G for the 4-3. And when it ETBs, you make a Pest. And there's also a Professor of Symbology in the pack, one and a white for a 2-1. When it ETBs, you learn. Yeah, this is, I like, I don't like to say easy. This is an easy professor for me, just because of how hot I am on lesson and learn and i think this is one of the best learn cards so yeah i would take professor here yeah i think i messed up i i took quandrix pledge mage and i think looking back and just how i'm drafting the format right now and just trying to be willing to bob and weave a little bit more between the colleges i think i would take professor and there's just so many things going on with professor right you can rebuy it after trading with the the five drop two two flyer that like returns it to your hand and then you go to learn again and there's just there's just a lot of things going on with professor and lore hold i think well and it plays great it plays great in both right because you can curve this which a relevant two mana two one you want that in silver quill curve this into inkling summoning or whatever but then as you said yeah it's just like just pure value in lore hold and that's what lore hold wants to do so i feel like it's good in both colleges and that's a real boon for a single colored card in this format yep I, I wanted to check in real quick this is a card we didn't check in on this week where are you at on professor of zoomancy i think it's good not great it's a fine body it feels a little awkward i think it's great in witherbloom and i think it's fillerish in quandrix like quandrix just goes over the top so hard it doesn't care about the efficient body quite that much but i do think it's excellent in witherbloom yeah but it's it's just hard. Like the the four drop problem here is real for Professor of Zoomancy. Like I don't really want to load up on this, and I think it's very easy. Like yeah, this is probably better than most four drops, but not by a big chunk. And so it doesn't feel like a card I ever want to prioritize, at least so far. Yeah, I I mean I've been a little happier with it than that, but I don't think it's the best green common, for example. Yeah. Okay. Great. Sorry. I feel like you were wrapping up the show real well, but I, I was like I want to ask Ben about this card. <laughs> no, I think I think best green common goes to Mage Duel for me right now. Yeah, that 
definitely makes sense to me. Yeah, like that that card is really, really good. All right. Great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you so much to ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over to CFB for any and all purchases, signing up for CFB Pro. You can also, as I said, sign up for that Channel Fireball Extra, but that newsletter is free, baby. If you sign up for CFB Pro, you get articles from me, Ben, Alex, all of Team CFB. Any and all of those purchases you're doing, please use code LOL when you check out to let them know we sent you there. You can check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben's at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. We're both under the same usernames on Twitter. And you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. So you're basically just trying to get to a board state where you have that 04 wall. You have your so many card names. <laughs> you're basically just trying to get to a board state where you have that 04 wall. You're I just look. <laughs> I forgot it. <laughs>